All right. I think this is the first All time right. we've hosted something together, Megan. It is. Very exciting. exciting. Yeah. I'm excited. Hey, everybody. I'm Megan McCarty Carino. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is Friday, July 7th. And I'm Rima Grace, host of the Marketplace podcast. This is Uncomfortable. Kimberly is out today. And Kai's on assignment traveling in China with Treasury Secretary Yellen. So you've got two full-in hosts. It'll be a good time. Uh, if you're listening to the pod, thank you for joining us. And if you're on the YouTube live stream for Economics on Tap, hello. Well, we've got, uh, you know, we've got the usual. We've got our drinks. We've yes, got our news. We, uh, we are ending with a little bit of a, a different game today, a kind of this is uncomfortable style game. So it'll be a good. Yeah, I'm excited to there. do that. It'll be fun. But uh, first up, let's let's talk about drinks, right? I have got what we yeah. call a date shake. Are you familiar with that? Ooh, lovely. Yes. So it is a Palm Spring date shake. Yeah, this is my first time making this. Uh-huh. Um, it's been on my mental to-do list for a while. I used to live next to this smoothie shop in Los Angeles, and I once bought a date shake that was very overpriced, probably like $13, $14. And um, I've been committed to try to recreate it. And so today was the day. Um, I found a recipe yeah. on Bon Appetit uh, and made some mm. adjustments to it. But basically, you toast walnuts, and then oh. you soak some dates, and you combine it, and then you add some ice cream and cinnamon, and and that's pretty much it. Um, and it's, mm, I would rate it like a, a six out of ten. <laughs> Oh, it's it's very. I mean, sweet. there's soaking involved. There's, I yeah. would imagine so. Yeah, I know. There's well, like, there's a famous place in the desert, right? That yeah. does these date shakes that are like. Well, I didn't realize yeah. that when I was looking for recipes, I kept seeing these date shake recipes um, that connect back to Palm Springs, and so I looked into it, and it's really fascinating. Apparently, right. Palm Springs is responsible for ninety five percent of the country's dates, um, and it goes huh. back to like the early nineteen hundreds. Uh, the Department of Agriculture was like, yes, the Coachella Valley, which includes Palm Springs, is the perfect place to cultivate dates because um, it gets really, huh. really hot there. You know, there's not a lot of humidity, makes it the ideal site to grow them. Um, and they imported them from North Africa and the Middle East, which, you know, I'm Middle Eastern, which maybe explains my affinity for dates. <laughs> um, but I didn't realize that connection to Palm Springs. Who doesn't love dates? Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 good. I think I need to make some adjustments, though. I used um, Halo Top ice cream instead of like the good oh, stuff. Oh, that's your problem. I know. Right I there. think it <laughs> muted some of the flavors. It's not it's not uh, great. But I'm I not have some fan. water to I'm wash not a fan down. of the Halo. <laughs> And I'll try it out again. What are you drinking? So uh, I am drinking a, it's like a non-alcoholic spritzer. It's this brand. I've been trying out some like non-alcoholic different drinks. It's this brand, Weekday Vibes, Bitter Orange Spritz. Um, And it is, it's kind of a base of like de-alcoholized wine with kind of like bitter orange flavor um and of mm. course got a little got to garnish it up you know just to it looks pretty just to zhuzh it a bit yeah wait what are you um, using for the garnishes is that a grapefruit Try j- uh it's an orange oh yeah. okay nice just to go with the the bitter orange theme that makes sense um, that makes sense yeah i wish i had had like a a blood orange or something that would be mm. more um you know a little bit a little bit more special than a regular old orange, but it does the job. And and I do have like a a large ice cube. Um, How do you so, make those yeah. large ice cubes? 
You just have the I big have a mold. It's a mine is not a silicone mold, but it's I think it's like a some sort of rubber mold that makes mm. the large the large <laughs> ice cubes. It just feels fancy. I love it. Are, it does. Yeah. yeah. It just feels yeah. more special. Um, all right. Well, why don't we start talking about the news? Just get right to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to jump into the news? Yeah. Right. Well, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, I'm sort of continuing a theme that we have been on this week on on Make Me Smart, kind of looking at this new Twitter killer threads Mm -hmm. uh, from Mm -hmm. Meta, a.k.a. the formerly known as Facebook. Um, So uh, according to some reporting from Semaphore, Twitter has threatened to sue Meta over its new app threads. in a letter to Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg, which was seen by Semaphore, uh, t- a Twitter lawyer accused Meta of stealing trade secrets and intellectual property uh, in its creation of threads, in part by hiring dozens of former Twitter staff, which I think is an interesting point, given that there were a lot yeah. of unemployed Twitter staff around. Uh, that is true. <laughs> after... <laughs> They did some mass layoffs. Um, mm-hmm. Meta has, you know, called the accusations baseless, said no one from Twitter worked on the app. Yeah. You know, who knows? Um, but I think it is just sort of indicative of how this is kind of cutting a little close to the bone for for Twitter. This is the first really big competitor in a line of different you know, competitors that have popped up, including Blue Sky, uh, um, who's, you know... Are you on Blue Sky? ...being led by... I am on Blue Sky. I have done, like, almost nothing with it. I have to say I'm not... I'm not a real, like, early adopter type, and I think it gets to Mm. why Threads appears to be so successful early on you know it got like 30 million downloads in the first day which exceeded even uh previous to that like chat gpt had been the most quickly downloaded app in history um but this was even faster and i think that you know the fact that it's from an already existing and very large social media platform um, sort of overcomes some of the lag in network effects that happen with all of these other like Blue Sky. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm not, you know, I don't know if I want to invest the time in like going and re-following exactly. everyone that I follow on Twitter. Like I kind of dabbled in Mastodon for a little bit and was like the same thing. I kind of like, I want to, I want to wait till the dust settles a little bit mm-hmm. before I figure out like what is really going to be the one that everyone goes to. And that's the trick with with social media, you know, is it's like a platform can be bad in many, many ways, can have all kinds of technical issues, you know, like privacy policies that we don't like. But if that's where everyone that you know is, then it's really hard to leave. And it creates a kind of anti-competitive... Um, landscape, you know, where it's just it's really hard to go to the Mastodons, to the Blue Skies when you don't know, you know, if that's where all your friends and all the people you follow and all the, you know, conversations that you want to be listening to are going to end up. 
Rules. So I begrudgingly signed up last night. I was feeling some sign up fatigue. I was like, am I really going to do this? Should I hold off? And then just went ahead and did it. Um, And I spent a few minutes scrolling through it. And it felt like I'd been transported into 2010. I'm like seeing these posts and Mm -hmm. comments from people I went to high school with and from celebrities like Ellen DeGeneres. And I'm like, what am am I doing here? What's going on? Um, Yeah. And I get what you're saying that it feels like there are a lot of people in one place. But I don't really love that I'm replicating my following list from Instagram. Like I'm fine seeing Mm -hmm. those people's pictures and videos, (laughs) but I don't need to hear their inner thoughts or hot takes. Like I would rather have a more curated. Yeah. I follow a lot of like food and silly animal accounts that I don't (laughs) necessarily need to know their micro blogging thoughts on. Yeah. So it feels like we've entered a party where like, the guest list was just like, yeah, come on through and bring whoever you'd like. And that can be fun sometimes, but also can be incredibly hectic and overwhelming. And I just makes me want to go into the corner and not talk to anyone. (laughs) That's my initial feeling, but who knows what will happen to the, Mm -hmm. to the platform. Yeah. I actually didn't finish signing up for threads because (laughs) I started to, I, I started down the path. Like I downloaded the app. I'm one of those 30 million that downloaded the app in the first day. And then I started reading all of these concerns about the privacy policy. So when I sort of got to that point of like, okay, sign our privacy policy, I was like, oh, I heard that this is not great. And so I looked into it a little bit and it is kind of not super great. Um, so it's not like one of the reasons probably the reason that uh, Threads has not become available in the EU yet is because uh, of these privacy issues um, and privacy, data privacy being more heavily regulated in the EU under GDPR. Mm. Meta has had some judgments recently against it that sort of like put in question some of its, you know, regular data policies. So I read that Um, you know, Mm. some of the hangups, some of the red flags for threads in the EU are that it collects sensitive information about people's identity, Mm. um, their health, fitness, location, employment, like all of these very kind of sensitive things it collects and shares with third parties for advertising. Uh, And you can't delete your account without deleting your Instagram account, which is tricky. That's true. I saw that. And yeah, it was the one thing that was making me hesitate last night whether or not I should download it. Yeah. Um, We'll see what happens. Yeah. So Um, I should plug I read this great article from the Atlantic last night. Um, And the central point was that Threads proves that social media is fated to repeat a cycle of life and death. That was the thesis of the article. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, I thought it was a good read if you want to check that out. But anyway, let's move on. Yeah. So (laughs) speaking of the Atlantic, also saw another article this morning that I would love to talk about. This is a story that has been in the news cycle for a couple of weeks now, but I find it really fascinating. Um, It's a story that is just dripping with irony. So last month, Francesca Gino, she is a Harvard Business School professor who studies dishonesty. She was accused of falsifying data in at least four papers. And now there are some allegations that she may fake data in dozens of other published papers. Um, She's now on administrative leave and it's it's a wild story. And, you know, these accusations are significant because she is a leading scholar in the field. And, you know, behavioral science is not only 
interesting, at least to me, but it's important. You can yeah. combine. Yeah. I mean, we've done stories on Marketplace uh, that relate to behavioral science or behavioral economics. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because it can combine elements of economics and psychology to understand why we behave the way we do. And that can ultimately have implications for governments, public policy. So um, she's published a lot of things with a central question of why do normal people lie and cheat? And um, again, just uh, so much irony here. And so her research, for example, has tried to show how I mean, it's tried to show a lot of things, but um, in particular, how rates of cheating go up in response to different social factors. So like she has this one paper that shows that when people are just in the presence of abundant wealth, like if we're sitting at a table and there's $7,000 worth of bills um, scattered all around, you're more likely to cheat when given a task. Um, And so the author of this Atlantic article uh, poses this question of like, what would Francesca's contested science say about Francesca? Like, was she in some way searching for a theory of herself, (laughs) perhaps subconsciously? Who knows? But the author makes a point that she was she was in the presence of abundant wealth. Uh, She taught classes at Harvard for business executives and had colleagues who made upwards of two million dollars a year. Anyway, all of this is just very meta and layered. but it makes me think of just how it might shift perceptions of behavioral science. Like I said, yeah. like I said, a lot of the findings they're applied to real world settings. This is something taught within business schools and applied within companies. And so, um, yeah, it just makes me more skeptical of the incentives and yeah. norms within this industry. Um, and you know, just the fact that Gina was just the celebrated, almost like celebrity like researcher um and you know there are a lot of people like that within like pop psychology and um right they get high salaries high speaker fees lots of money from book deals and not that this is an excuse but i can just imagine there's a lot of pressure to perform to to release these really unique and creative results um and i was reading about this i just like sort of fell in a rabbit hole this morning and was reading about it in the financial times and they made this point that uh, testing other people's result within the research world is like a very normal scientific practice. But in behavioral science, the initial results are not replicated before they're quickly recycled, hmm. is how the article put it, into like sensational headlines or pop psychology articles yeah. and self-help books. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that with, you know, the social sciences that, I mean, I, I find behavioral science and like social sciences to be fascinating in part, I think, because it is so difficult to pin down why do people behave the way they do? And, you know, to to provide some insight into that, I think, is really complex and and sometimes unquantifiable. Mm-hmm. These things sort of trying to reduce our very complex world and complex human behavior and, you know, societal behavior to, to these things is, I think, very... Um, tempting and like very attractive yeah. <laughs> for humans and I think we sometimes overlook <laughs> especially mm-hmm. in those kinds of you know kind of non-exact sciences uh, oh totally <laughs> that probably um, oh, I could keep talking about this but I <laughs> so I think why don't we take a break and uh, when yeah. we get back we're going to 
do what we're going to do a new segment actually from this is uncomfortable the yeah. show that i host that we like to call defend your splurge so uh yeah we'll do that when we're back very excited about that We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I think we are back. So we're going to try something different on the show. We're going to do what we call Defend Your Splurge. It is a fun little segment in the weekly newsletter we do for This Is Uncomfortable, uh, where we ask readers to tell us you know, how they're treating themselves these days and why. Um, and so we're going to take turns talking about what we've splurged on lately. The only rule is that you cannot judge. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> Drew is going to join us too. Are you there, Drew? I'm here. Hi, Rima. Hey, Drew. Hey. We couldn't do the game without Drew. Yeah, I know. Fan we were talking Drew. about it uh, offline and we're like, no, we have to have Drew. <laughs> so before we start, um, you know, we want to hear about your splurges. So you can drop them in the chat and we'll check in on them at the end. Um, all right, Megan, do you want to start off? What is something that you've bought recently? All right. Uh, This is something that everyone who knows me already knows about it because I kind of talk about it nonstop now. But I have become the proud owner of an uni pizza oven Uh, about a month and a half ago. I had been this is something that I had been wanting pining after for Mm -hmm. quite some time. And I was just like mentally I had been waiting. Okay, if they ever go on sale i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna buy the pizza oven uh on sale i think it was like 350 dollars. i got the smaller sized one the 12 inch uni pizza oven um but i am kind of known for buying a lot of kitchen gadgets Mm. and technology that i don't (laughs) quite use all the time i have like a sous vide immersion circulator and those the Instapot are helpful and i know all it's so those easy things to just that like things. i haven't used forever but we have been using the pizza oven and yeah it is really fun it's super fun but now i have just gone absolutely down the rabbit <laughs> hole of like dough making uh you know when we bought it i was like i'm just gonna buy dough from like whole foods or trader joe's or a pizza place or something i'm not gonna like totally destroy my life by trying to you know figure out the intricacies of pizza dough but of course you know you buy the pizza oven you have to you have to figure out how to make the dough 
you have to do it. So now my entire life, it just like circulates around <laughs> dough recipes, proofing times, cold ferments, different pre-ferments. Like it's a whole thing. Um, I'm hoping hobby. that the, the pizza oven has brought us a lot of, I would say it has brought us a lot of like joy and family time and friend time. It's a good centerpiece yeah. for like we brought it on vacations. We what? brought it to my parents' house. Yeah, so oh, that's why that's we wanted the smaller one then. so that we could. I think whenever I feel like it's totally splurge worthy. Oh, it's a hundred percent splurge worthy. I also think whenever a purchase uh, promotes like a communal, uh, yeah. has a communal effect rather, that's a good purchase. You know, if it yeah. if it yeah. brings more connection in your life, and that's what it sounds like. Exactly. Totally. Um, okay, go for it, Drew. I think you're next. All right, I'm up. So the reason this thing is a splurge is that like normally mm -hmm. I don't like spend a lot of money on clothes. Uh, and this, my splurge is actually a $100 sweatshirt mm. that I bought when I was in Mexico. Normally, if I was going to spend $100 on a sweatshirt, this would be <laughs> like a high quality piece of clothing that I could be like, all right, I'm going to have this for many years. I really need a sweatshirt right now. But this one yeah. was, I was walking past an art gallery in Mexico City and I saw a painting and I was like, that's a cool painting. And the last night we were there, my girlfriend yes. dragged me into that art gallery and was like, let's Actually, buy that sweatshirt yeah. with a painting on it. <laughs> it and so it's a it's a red, but it's just like a basic red sweatshirt with like a print of this weird painting on it. It's got these like four sort of ghostly ethereal figures on it. And three of them are wearing very pointy hats. Um, and they're kind of like cradling the fourth one. I don't know. I think it's just kind of like really unique. And it's my little Mexico souvenir. Yeah. I feel like that's a really fun way mm. to sort of like buy into art. That it's not just something that's going to be you know, inanimate on your wall exactly. that you're going to wear it. And every time you wear it, you're going to remember yeah. your trip. I love that. To Mexico City. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. That's great. Okay. So I'm looking at the comments too. There are some good splurges in there. Fancy face lotion, Canadian ketchup chips. Always on board. That sounds like something you got to order. Special order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so something I bought recently uh, is something that had you told me a year or two ago that I bought this, I would have been very confused and perhaps alarmed. I bought a, an expensive sleeping pad for camping about I'm embarrassed to say, mm. no, we're not judging about $300. So um, yeah. there, I think I have the same one. They're probably. expensive. <sighs> well, so some context ex, ex, here. Expad. Yeah, well, I think the company's called Hest or something. Anyway, but um, it kind of has to do with uh, a big impulsive decision I made last year. Um, I don't know if you know this, Megan. I'm not in Los Angeles anymore. Or maybe you know that. I did yeah. know that. I am in Portland, Oregon. And um, we, my husband and I made the decision to move here last November Um Again, very impulsively, we were working in a one-bedroom apartment where we had to coast constantly negotiate who was working where because we both work remotely, and um, paying way too much money on you know on 
the apartment. And so we were kind of stumped in terms of where to move. Initially, we thought we were going to move to New York City to be closer to our families, but then that would put us in the same problem. Anyway, so we separately had a trip planned to Portland and uh, leading up to it, we planted the seed in our heads of what if we moved to Portland? And when we visited, we loved it and realized that it would help us cultivate our uh, aspirational affinity for nature, the natural world. Um, And so we are here for like a year or two. And um, one of the things on the bucket list is like, yeah, to, to get out and do things we wouldn't ordinarily do, which is one of those, again, is is going out in nature and camping. So it was my first time camping last month. And I really wanted to make, oh. yeah, I wanted to make sure that it was a good experience. I had a positive experience my first time, so it didn't deter me. And it was important that we bought good equipment. And so one of those things was the sleeping pad. That was my very long-witted way of, of justifying the purchase. <laughs> There's um, no price st- on a good night's sleep. 100%. Right. And yeah. we've already camped several times. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was worthwhile. Um, and we slept like babies. Both of you all sound like you've camped before. I am sort of the, the you know, unwitting companion to a very diehard <laughs> camper. So, yeah. Gotcha. I'm into all of the <laughs> camping luxuries. I support any camping luxury. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will definitely camp. I'm not like quite serious enough about it to have like all my own gear but if i have a friend who's like got the stove already and got like got something in mind i'm like 100 percent down let's do it yeah um looking at some of the comments someone said i bought a custom quilting table so my sewing machine needle space is level with the table so nice no more pulling of the fabric because it hangs over the machine base and much better seams love it um yeah i love these purchases that help uh you know that are related to our hobbies and interests and again like connect us with others so (laughs) that is that is lovely i think that's that's it that was defend your splurge we feature new splurges every week in the this is uncomfortable newsletter um you can submit yours and you can also sign up for the newsletter. There are other stuff there, recommendations from the team. I also write about what's on my mind each week. You can sign up for that at marketplace.org slash comfort. And Kai and Kimberly will be back next week. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, a topic you want to get smart on, please email us at makemesmart at marketplace.org or leave us a voicemail at 508-UB-SMART. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Jake Cherry. Drew Jostad wrote the theme music for our Friday game and was a good sport for Defender Splurge. And our intern is Nilafer Shabandi. The team behind our Friday live stream is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodnar is the director of podcasts. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of Digital On Demand. Nice. Speaking of bad purchases, I'm about to go to the Amazon store and return some (laughs) some things I need to return. Nice. (laughs) Uh, All right. Have a good time with your pizzas done this weekend. Yes, I'm going to do it. I'm making a whole wheat dough this time. Trying it out. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine 
I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.